Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Henske, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, where incarnate memories prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. Wow, you've got a good one today. They're all good, but this is Anna Yates. It's like off the charts. So Anna Yates McDermott is here to hang out with us. Anna in the house. What's up? Tom Henske, how are you doing, buddy? Let, let's get caught up. So take me through, because I don't even know that I know the full story of, I know you were a kick-ass lax player coming out of high school. By the way, Hall of Famer at your high school, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. So take me through that college, uh, that high school experience. What was going on? What led to Virginia? Tell me about conversations with Jane Miller, one of my favorite coaches at UVA. I want to hear the whole story. I want to hear a story about mom and dad talking to Jane about in the beginning during your recruiting process, give it, give it, give it. So great questions. Um, so I played for Kathy Jenkins, who's the winningest coach, high school lacrosse coach of all time. I got to give her a shout out over 800 wins, but I played at St. Agnes school. It's now called St. Stephen's and St. Agnes, just a lot of great lacrosse players. And I actually have a, I'm a pretty big legacy at UVA. My dad went to law school. My grandfather went to med school. My mom went to nursing school. My brother was a 1991 grad. And so I always kind of thought I would go to UVA. But I, I kind of got lured by the Ivies, who were also very good at lacrosse at the time. And I went to camps with the Harvard coach. So I, for a while, I was kind of going to go to Harvard. My idol, Maggie Vaughn, was the captain there when they won the national championship. She's in the National Hall of Fame. And it, it, it was, it was touch and go. I mean, a Harvard degree is pretty special. And then I realized in this, and I tell my players this all the time, if I broke my leg and could not play lacrosse, would I be happy at Harvard? And there's nothing against Harvard. Don't get me wrong. That's a great, I'm sure it's a great place. And the team there was phenomenal. The people were really kick-ass people, but I just felt the, the triple threat, the, you know, academics, the athletics and, you know, the fun that you can have at UVA, it just, it just couldn't be beat. So Jane Miller calls me up. I think it was in October of my senior year, which is early at the time. And she basically said in the next 24 hours, decide if you want to go. I feel like Amy Mitchell Griffin had a similar thing where she had to decide right away. And it was really early. And I was, I was kind of floored. Like I didn't realize stuff like that could happen. Like our college office didn't realize stuff like that could happen. So I basically was like on the phone. I didn't even ask my parents. I was like, you know what? 
I'm doing it. So from the get-go, I always felt like I had a special relationship with Jane. Um, in fact, I think some of my teammates would call me kind of a teacher's pet, which is weird because I'm kind of the crazy one. But she always looked out for me, just a class act. I mean, just a badass. I would not cuss in front of her, though. No way. <laughs> but she, she was awesome. And we went in, and this is a Money Yates story. My dad, I don't know how many of you guys know him, but he's, he's hilarious. The most generous person I know, really. I don't remember parents being crazy at our games. They were supportive. My dad was like number one on the support list, but Jane was like, all right, what kind of scholarship do we need to give you? And, uh, and my dad chimed in and this is going to come across as kind of snotty, but, but you got to know money eights money eights. He has a Southern accent. He said, Jane, we don't want a scholarship. We want you to give it to someone that really needs it. And we want to just get as many good players in this program as possible. And that was just really salt of the earth, I thought. And I was like, wow, dad, that was kind of awesome. So yeah, so that, that was kind of my, uh, my road. And even, and this is kind of a little bit bizarre too, there's actually an award, a UVA Girls Lacrosse Award in my parents' honor. It's called the Money and Betty Yates Award. It has nothing to do with me. They're almost like more of legends than I am for the good tailgates and being supportive and all that stuff. It's called, and basically for the uh, service and dedication of the women's lacrosse program. And that just, it's, it's kind of like the unsung hero. In fact, Claire P Parrish, fellow imp, got it one year uh, after I graduated, which I was really proud of, just a fellow imp. So that's, that's super cool and just kind of a random story. That's awesome. You know, and in sports in particular, uh, you know, being from New York originally, I'm a Giants fan, so it pains me to say a Tom Brady story. But like, if you think about it, Tom Brady did that throughout his career in New England, basically gave up income to surround himself with the best players, right? And there's something unbelievably uh, intelligent slash altruistic about people who do that. Right. And it's it's a living a life of abundance and that there was plenty. And in, I guess in Tom Brady's mind, it's like we have enough uh, and it's more important that other people get and doing the best that we could do as a unit. So I, I, clearly I could see why Jane loved that because she was all about that. Right. So that's what a great story. So you had wow, you had a lot of family members that were at UVA. You said your brother, too. Right. Yes, he was a 1991 grad, history, foreign affairs major, Kappa Sig, I believe, uh, a huge influence in my life, a big time lawyer today in Northern Virginia. And did he play lacrosse too? What was his sport? No, I mean, he played sports in high school. He was a, actually, he was a soccer player, a decent soccer player in high school, but he played for intramurals. I think he was happy they won the intramural championship one time. But <laughs> that was, I think he has a t-shirt still. Yeah, I think that's John Blank's uh, claim to fame that he won the law school softball league one year. That's uh, having lived with him. I didn't see him do a whole lot of studying that first year, but boy, he didn't miss a, a softball game, did he? So that's cool. So then you, you get on grounds and what dorm did you start off in? So I started with actually a fellow lacrosse player. Uh, her name is Tia Brunelli. We actually went to high school together, too. Um, Dara as well played lacrosse. Two of my best friends, Amy Mitchell, mentioned them in her podcast. But yeah, we lived in Emmett, first floor. Thank goodness it was less hot. And we were, we knew a lot of people. It was, it was tremendous, tremendous. And then how did that first year of balancing school and sports and social, how did that work out? 
So believe it or not, I'm a huge closet dork. Like I'm the one that like, if I have a five page paper, I'll do a page a day. Like I'm that one. So I was used to from St. Agnes being able to bang out papers and study for tests and all that stuff. It was a pretty rigorous high school. So like academically, um, I felt pretty solid. I mean, it was hard to get A's at UVA, but you know, getting A's in my history, you know, as a history major in my history classes, I would, you know, go for those, but uh, I, you know, the sports wise too, I just was kind of used to it. I actually played club soccer. I don't know if you know this Hensky, all those girls like Mia Ward, Kim Smith, Kristen D'Amelio, Steph Spurlock, Jen Sweet. I was on their club team. So I was a soccer player first, Stephanie Spurlock. They all played at UVA. So, you know, I knew all them too. I just went the lacrosse path more just because I was probably better at it. So, but yeah, I mean, I toyed with maybe walking on, but then that would have been just too much. So, and, uh, was it a struggle balancing all those things? And did it, it, it was not for me. I just have always been organized, like extremely organized. Um, you know, I would do all my work and it was you just go out at midnight. Right. 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 Or 11. And- I mean, you don't really go out till that. Now I can't even like stay up past 1030, but like then you do all your work. T and I would bang out our work and then go out 1130. Any, uh, any good stories from that first year that you remember? Goodness. I have to admit, I used to have the best memory. I was super good with names. Like I'm a teacher now. I'm really good with names. I just, I cannot remember anything from 30 years ago. Um, I just know I met a lot of great people. Uh, I know I go back to all the reunions. Like I even raise money. We have a party at the hall. I raised the money for the one that was canceled. So we, we have some, some money in the works for next time. I won't steal it. I promise. <laughs> but Yeah. So for some reason, I always end up being in charge of things. I don't really know why. Yeah, it's saying that you've heard me say before, it's if you want something done right, give it to a busy person, right? Yeah. So, so, so in all seriousness, when, I'm in, when I was in season, it, it went better for me because I knew I had to factor out my time. I mean, that's probably the biggest life lesson from all this is, the, like you said, the busier you are, the more you budget your time. Always. Isn't that weird that I always did better in season? And I think it's, you're right, because you think you have all this time out of season and you goof around and you don't use your time wisely and you wait to the last minute because you're under the impression you have time, which you do, but, you know, left to studying the night before for anything is probably not the, the best way to go, right? Just in case my son is listening to this as he starts I'm college. sure he will. I'm sure he yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a big fan of the M podcast. He's like he, he's it's amazing how cool he thinks that I am, right? Or lack thereof. They were just they, we were just in the car before, and they were talking about a word that the kids are using now, uh, which is a word we know. It's sexy, but they use sexy in a way like that when something's cool, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, that's sexy." And, uh, and it was very funny because I tried to use it later in the conversation and the both of them, I looked at the rear view mirror, I was, we were driving and it was the look of don't ever try that again. You're a dork, huge dork. Yeah. My son, I actually convinced to my 10 year old Liam, who's hilarious that I was kind of nervous for this call. And he goes, mom, all you got to do is talk about yourself with one of your friends and don't you worry. Only three people are listening to it. So don't even worry. I thought it was hilarious, actually. 
Yep. So all three of us, and it's the two of us and one more person. So it's probably the two of us and your mom, right? (laughs) I love it. So then um, you were doing the sorority thing too, if memory serves me correct, right? Yes. So I kind of had three lives at UVA. I had, and not that I was some like sorority, sorority girl, but I, you know, I joined a sorority. T and I actually joined the same one. Um, It was Theta. Shout out to Jane Wright and Tylee Smith, who were older Thetas that probably were the the ones that got me into Imp. And I appreciate that. They were badasses. But, you know, I had that and I had an instant group of friends there, uh, 10 of which I still get together with once a year. So and then I had my teammates. So there's 10 of us. We get together a ton because most of them live up outside of Philadelphia where I live. In fact, this is kind of crazy, but this Saturday is the day that we get together. So we're going to a cookout at someone's house, Kelly Dodona. So we have that. And then second year I was tapped for imp. So I almost had like a third team. I almost think, think of them as teams and just to meet so many different people from different walks of life that I would have never met. I mean, it was, I mean, really I was touched and I, I, it, I mean, I still almost could cry thinking about it because I would have never met those people and you just form relationships that you never would have formed. And it, you know, I was, it was awesome. So what was the deal with the tapping? Do you remember? So, you know what? I don't have many memories, but I do remember this. Um, I was living at the yellow house, which was right across from Theta. And I could literally spit on the Beltmore. Thank goodness. I was a Beltmore groupie. I had a 21st birthday party there every year, I think. So someone knocks on the door, you know, knock, 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 knock. And it's Amy Breen, who was the captain of my lacrosse team, like badass imp. And then this old guy, Jonathan Blank, I was like, who's this old guy? And they looked really serious. I was kind of confused. And, you know, they're at the yellow house and they're like, we need to talk to you. And they're so serious. And they brought up, it was either that I cheated on a paper or cheated on a um, test or something. And I was kind of like, you know, when you get that, like that feeling where you're like, your, your stomach drops. And I was like, and then I was like, I know I didn't do this. Something is messed up. I don't even think I had had a test that year yet. Like it was pretty early. I was like, this something is weird. And then, you know, we walked down to the, you got to come with us. And I was like, this is such BS. I know this is BS. What the hell is going on? I didn't really know about the imps. So I had, it's not like I was like, oh, I'm getting tapped for the imps. Like I had no freaking idea. You know, we walk into college in, and then you open the door and just the energy that you feel from everybody body in that room a lot you know we're standing on the chairs and you know banging you're literally like what the heck is going on like you just have the chills it's you know almost like you know you're in the huddle before a big game it's something like that and you know they finally kind of told me what it was I had to tell my story and stand on the chair and to be honest I was a little nervous because like I you kind of recognize some leaders in the room like a Chris Day a Ted Jeffries a Chris Havlicek you know, people that you see just on, you know, when you're watching from the stands and you're like, what is going on? And um, yeah, so, and it, it's funny because I mean, I was tight with Amy Brain, but Jonathan and Blank is one of the best people I know. I can honestly say that just a great, great, great person. Um, we had a lot of fun together and I never, I never would have met him otherwise, you know? So. Yep. He was my roommate my fourth year and I'm actually going to see him tomorrow night. Going to see him tomorrow night in Charlottesville. 
so awesome. Him and Susan. So very excited about that. They're awesome. So, okay. So then you, the relief was there after you found out that the chest, the test that you didn't cheat on, you actually didn't cheat on it because there's no such thing, but it's when it's happening real time, that's not how your brain is thinking. That's why they call it a practical joke. Right. So exactly. <laughs> okay. So then, wow, that was early. You got tapped in your second year. So you really had the full imp experience because you had a couple of years to really, really enjoy it. That's awesome. Um, were there any then, were you on the uh, other end of the practical jokes at some point? I felt like I really understood the type of person that we would kind of wanted to, you know, be initiated. So I really tried to get just people that I know would really enjoy it, that would appreciate it, you know, that were badasses, that were fun, that were smart, that were leaders. I, I always said it's like someone like that you could take to your grandmother's birthday party and could talk to anyone in the room. I mean, I know that sounds kind of random, but that's kind of how I always thought about it. And so, I mean, I would assume I was involved in people's. I could, the only one I could remember was Tommy Smith's. He was two years below me. I think he was tapped pretty early too. Um, and I don't know if people remember Chip Rogers, Chip, hilarious. Chipper dog, chipper dog. Yeah, so Chip was with us. And I'm pretty sure Mia Ward was in the car. And, but the problem is, is I can't remember the prank. I mean, my guess, it was something, it was probably some cheating thing too, if I had to guess. But I talked to Tommy yesterday and he couldn't remember either. So he wasn't very helpful. I talked to Mia and Jill Havlicek. They weren't very helpful. No one remembers anything. <laughs> but I do remember being in the parking lot of Tommy's house so I know we did something. I just can't remember what it was. So sorry. <laughs> and, and, you know, there was, um, there was one night you were in charge of getting the supplies for the tuna. And oh. I think you almost had a, uh, a near-death experience. I can't remember yes. what the name of the local store was that we would go to to get that stuff. But to, there was. I'm right. I'm not making it up, right? No, no, no. You're not. You're not. You're not. In fact, this speaking of almost having a heart attack and putting my foot in my mouth. So I was the joker, you know, fourth year. And um, I was at Roses, I think it was called. Does that ring a bell? That was it. Okay. So it was kind of like the Target or the Walmart. It was called Roses. I don't even know if it's still there. You'll have to check tomorrow. When you go to drop your son off at college. When I, when I go to get my uh, Meisterbrow six pack, just to relive the good old days. Yeah. I, exactly. I'll let you know over there. Um, so yes. So I was in roses, you know, I was nice enough to get a fresh trash can for the tuna. I was getting, I assume it was Hawaiian punch. I, I don't even remember what it was, but whatever go, whatever the red stuff was in it, obviously I couldn't get alcohol there cause you couldn't get alcohol there, but like the spoons and trash bag, you know, everything for a party. So I'm in the checkout line. Lo and behold, Dom Starja the men's lacrosse coach was behind me in the checkout line. Oh my goodness. And I kind of knew him just cause I was around the, I was kind of, you know, a groupie of the boys lacrosse team and we hung out with them a lot. So I knew him uh, and through Jane Miller as well. And honestly, he was, you know, he has the long Island or the Northern accent. I can't even do it, but you could probably do it better than me, but it's like, what you doing there? Yates. I mean, he even called me Yates and I just gave him an impish impish. <laughs> grin and I was like nothing coach like uh, I mean I think my voice cracked I was going through puberty uh it, it honestly it was it was pretty funny but kind of awful too and by the way he had only been coaching there like two-ish years at that point he was brand yeah, 
he he got there my second year so yeah for only three years so yeah that's funny that's that's good you kind of wonder if the coaches went and reported back and said oh yeah i saw one of your players with a a garbage can uh full of handful of gin and kool-aid yeah <laughs> i know i see him every so often i should i should ask him if he remembers that i think he might get a kick out of it actually that's a great story that's <laughs> awesome cool so then you were while this is all going on you're like playing lacrosse and gosh you had like a kick-ass career i, I think you like we're top 10 in career assists. I think I remember reading when I was prepping for this. And don't tell me that you weren't because I saw it in writing. So don't be modest, right? You really rocked it out. And I might add, you had a national championship in there, right? For what year was that? Like 93-ish or something like that? You have such a good memory, Hemsky. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, the lacrosse experience was amazing. I mean, it really was. Um, I mean, I'm glad that I'm up in assists, so it makes it seem like I wasn't a ball hog. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, it was so fun to play for Jane Miller and just make, you know, the relationships I made with all my teammates. I mean, I could call any one of them at any, if I needed anything, um, and they would come running. Um, and I actually have a good story about our um, national championship weekend, just because another secret society actually visited us the night before the national championship. It was 1993. We were at old bird stadium in Maryland. We were in our hotel and J Jane was like safety. We called her safety. Jane, Jane Miller. She got us out of bed at like 10 30 at night. Like we had the national championship the next day. We were like, Jane, like even we were like, Jane, what the hell are you doing? And she was all fired up. Like you saw that, like, you know, her eyes, like something big was happening. And the seven society left a letter at the front desk, they didn't know who it came from. Like, how did they even get there? Like, it's so, it's so cool. And the one part of the letter that I always remember is they talked about how our team, it was a really, really special team, obviously. You have to be special to win a national championship, about how we had synergy. And luckily we all, you know, went to UVA, so hopefully we know what that means. You know, the fancy way of saying major teamwork. And Literally, we scored eight goals against Princeton that day. I think eight different people scored, and Princeton only scored six. And the Seven Society knew there was something special. I almost, I almost wonder who who put it there. Who knew? Oh, but, I have a theory. I won't say shut it. Shut up! I, oh my god! For no, real? I, no, I have a theory that there is a seven, at least one seven amongst the imps, and I'm not going to say the name but I have oh a theory God. and I've been working on this theory for third off the record. I cannot wait to hear that. That was badass. Put it that way. I mean, you one of the best things. And there were a couple of, uh, and that's cool. And there were a couple of imps throughout the years on the women's lacrosse team too. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice that, you know, it started with sin Mathis who was on your podcast earlier. And I, to be honest, I didn't even know she was an imp and, and I probably should have, until I listened to her podcast. I mean, she no, no, the Amy Mitchell podcast that she mentioned it. Exactly. What you're remembering is I had lunch with her That's that right. day because she's up here in Connecticut and Sid Mathis. Don't forget you did promise me we're going to do an interview. So don't think that you're escaping. We said yes. September. So you're coming up too. Yeah. Yeah. Sid, yeah. get your ass in gear. Yeah. Um, what's up it, with that? Listen to Yates, get your ass in gear. Darn it. Um, but you know, Jill Havlicek, 
Um, it was funny because I told you I had three worlds at UVA. Jill Havlicek was in all three. Sorority teammate imp. So she's one of my, I saw her three weeks ago. And in fact, her, her son just signed with the UVA baseball team as a junior. How awesome is that? Unbelievable. But yeah, anyways, like Jill, I digress. Jill was like, probably she had like seven worlds going at UVA, right? You were part of three of them. There was another four that were going on that we didn't even know about with her. Totally. But then Michelle Cusimano, world-class goalie. She was an imp, really awesome person. And then, like I said, Claire Parrish, a little bit younger than us, Melissa Hayes, Peggy Boudelier. That's what I remember off the top of my head. But there was a little, there was a chain. I'm hoping there are still women's lacrosse player imps. I, I really don't, I wouldn't know that though. Well, that's the next thing we need to get going. Uh, Bo Greenward is trying to hook us up with uh, getting connected to the current imps somehow. So, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe like I'll have an interview with a couple of them. That might be cool to hear what's going on today. What are the traditions? Have they changed at all? So we'll see how that one works out. So, okay. So, so now you get through this amazing college experience. What did you major in by the way? So I majored in history D Allen Williams. I don't know if you took any history classes, but I did my thesis with him. He might've been my advisor, but he was on the ACC. He was the teacher on the ACC board. That guy was a badass. Uh, but yeah, so I was a history major. Um, and, you know, I always kind of thought I was going to be a college lacrosse coach. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'll teach a couple years. I'll coach. I went back and coached with Kathy Jenkins at my high school, learned a ton about how to coach from her. And then, like, the classroom, I don't know. I just felt like I was myself in the classroom where it just – I, I don't know. It just, I got the bug. And, you know, at one point I could have been an athletic director. I turned that down. People were like, come, come assistant me, you know, be my assistant in college. Uh, I ran a bunch of camps, you know, I coached a lot in the summer and I still coached a lot and, you know, coached a varsity level and stuff, even coached a little varsity soccer, but the classroom was where I just felt like I was myself and I was really making the biggest impact. In fact, I run a, um, I started a study skills program called workshop about 10 years ago at Episcopal Academy where I teach now. And it's basically my coaching in the classroom to help kids transition to freshman year uh, and just make sure they know what they're doing. Skills, time management, executive functioning. They really don't know how to study. They're, none of them know how to write that well. That's kind of what, what I do. And, and it's, I'm really direct. They, they call me blunt, yet not malicious. <laughs> <laughs> so like, give me like, give me a feel for parents who, I don't know, let's give a little hint to parents who have ninth graders or about to have ninth graders. What are some of the things going on in that class? And what do you see as the biggest struggles for ninth graders today? First and foremost, the parents should not be talking to the teachers unless there's an emergency. You've got to let it go. Be and let them be independent. If I hear from a parent, it's I think it's crazy. Sorry, even athletically, the kid needs to talk to their teachers and establish relationships. Uh, I mean, how to study? Staring is not studying. So just reading over your notes is stupid. <laughs> You've got to actively study. And then just, you know, writing and proving something rather than just telling a story, you know, mapping out what you're going to do in your planner. You got to write stuff down. The stuff on the computer 
and textbooks on the computer, I think are tough on kids. You got to write this stuff. You got to physically write it down. I mean, even typing, like you're not digesting information if you're typing the same crap over and over again. You got to condense it. So then you understand it and you learn how to analyze, which in ninth grade is hard for them. But parent wise, I mean, I would say try to be as supportive of your child as possible and not be a nag. I'll be the nag. I'll be the nag. I can be a nice nag, but they usually respond better to me and they don't believe anything that you say. So try not to get involved and try to just be supportive. In sports too, don't yell at games. Do not yell at games. You are not the coach. (laughs) Oh my God, we just had a like- 30 parents who their heart just sank listening to that. Yes, it's you. You're a yeller. Knock it off. And I should stop yelling myself. (laughs) I mean, I sometimes fall in the trap as well. I'm usually encouraging though. A little encouragement isn't bad. Yeah. I remember my father yelling something during one of my games when I was in high school and I turned on to him on the sideline and told him to shut up. Yeah, that was a mistake. That was probably probably the right message the wrong way. <laughs> right? so. I, I actually, and my dad was overall 90% amazing, but there was one basketball game where he was yelling so much. I turn and I go, either he goes or I go. <laughs> so, I'm, <laughs> you know, we all have our moments. Um, tell me uh, before we leave college, uh, and go on to more, I want to hear more of what you're doing now, but, uh, wasn't there a story about Justin Rosalino's room? All right. So that's a great question. Oh, it's a tough question. Isn't it? It's a good one. It is a good one. So tell tell us the answer to that question. Why don't you? (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll back up a little and say that I really, got to know Matt Fisher and Mark St. Louis really well. And there's some occasions where we would, the four of us would go out. I don't know if they were on binges, but we would go have some fun. And I guess on one of those nights, this may or may not be true, but I might've peed in Justin's sink on the lawn fourth year. Well, I actually, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed of that because don't they kind of deserve that since they didn't think to put bathrooms in those rooms? I mean, I was they, being innovative, right? I mean, they've got it. I mean, you could have gone on the lawn and then that wouldn't have been good. So like, no, that's, that's okay. I actually don't have a problem with that one. And no one else on our podcast listening should have a problem with that either. I know he's lucky. I didn't squat on the lawn. I think that is, that's a good point. Wait, did, here's the thing though. Is he finding out for the first time listening to this podcast that it happened or? No, no, no. He knows. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But I do. I did listen to Justin. Was that two weeks ago? And I just wanted to actually make an apology to Barton Dick, Barton Harris. The story about that tapping. I literally had no recollection of that. But I, you know, the teacher in me kind of is mortified by that story. And I really felt bad about it because I would, you know, nowadays you can't accuse anyone of anything like that. Um, And I, and the second thing is, is I'm the worst liar ever. So I'm not surprised that I didn't do very well with it. I just am not a good liar. I don't like to lie. So um, I'm not surprised that that joke only went for two minutes or whatever it was. The problem, so sorry, Barton. Yeah, the, the problem with you trying to do the practical joke is you love to laugh. 
And it, the second someone tells you don't laugh, that means you just want to even laugh more. I remember getting in all sorts of trouble in grade school you know, because somebody would do something funny and then you're trying not to laugh and the teacher's looking at you and you can't stop laughing. So that's probably, yeah, right? Yep. Okay, so now, but give me the road to that led you to where you're teaching now. Like, the, give me a little build up to that. I know you're at Episcopal, but like what happened you know, in between graduation and Episcopal, like what was the road? So it was funny because I interviewed senior year or fourth year, sorry, I'm called senior year, stupidly, um, at two high schools in Alexandria area, Northern Virginia, where I grew up. And so I was the first one of all my friends to get a job, to be a teacher. I thought it would be a good placeholder and see if I liked it. And I literally never looked back. So it's been, this will be my 27th year teaching. I've taught sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th. I've coached, I mean, a ton of sports, basketball, soccer, cross country, lacrosse and field hockey from middle school to high school. And, um, and I started that study skills class that I was telling you about. And yeah, so I taught at my high school for four years. I taught at a little school in Unionville, Pennsylvania for five years. And this will be my 17th year at Episcopal Academy on the main line in Philadelphia. My whole family's there. My husband teaches physics there and he coaches lacrosse and tennis. My son, Patrick, is a junior and my other son, Patrick, will be, I'm sorry, Liam is going to be in fifth grade. So it is a family effort. It's the, you know, the teacher coach, um, teacher coach advisor model. It's like the triple threat. It's like a perfect job for me. Um, But is is that, tell me about the dynamic having your own kids in the school. What's that like? So, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse, but more of a blessing than a curse. Uh, My son's class actually came through and I was really, really nervous about it, but it actually went awesome. I, you know, I didn't, I thought I was going to have to kind of tame it down. but I could be myself with them and they didn't heckle Patrick. I think mostly they like me. So that helps. I mean, I'm hard on them. I'm hard, but they realize, you know, my heart's in the right place. And then I'm looking out for them, even though I'm not going to just hand out A's. That's just not the way I am. Um, but you know, there was only a couple of times where they were like, your mom just gave me a D Pat, Patty. They call him Patty. But then they're like, you know what? I deserved it. So, I mean, they get it. I mean, maybe it'll be harder with my little guy when they come through. Uh, Brian, my husband, coaches Patrick, and Patrick loves it. He's always coached him. Um, and he, he would love for his dad to teach him physics when it gets gets there, but we'll see if that happens. Um, so, and he's a, Patty's a junior, right? He's a junior, yeah. So is this the year – this is the year where they're just really focused on driver's ed – uh, getting good grades in the classroom and then the ACT, SAT type stuff. And then they do, you start to like do a little bit of the going around looking at colleges, which is funny because if you last year with the pandemic, you had a whole group of people who weren't getting to go to the school. So is Patty starting to think about college or is it a little too early for him? I mean, it's a little early. Um, he plays football and lacrosse and I could see him maybe doing D3 lacrosse, like he's that into it. But you know what, if that's not, if that doesn't happen, it's not like we put any pressure on him. Like, you know, sports these days get are kind of crazy. So if that's not the route he wants to do, I'm happy with whatever he wants. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he started thinking about that a little, but that's, you know, a little bit away. And what about Liam? What's he into? So Liam actually plays for a little club soccer team. 
Um, just a shout out to you. He really likes a lot. And he plays a little tennis, but he's also like a good artist. So he's really into that. But, you know, I'm spending most of my time making sure he's not on the computer all day because these kids, because of the pandemic, the only way they see, they Zoom now and play video games, which a part of me is like, but another part's like, God, it's genius. And I don't have to drive him anywhere. <laughs> so it's, it's kind right. of, you know. And, and where'd you and Brian meet? You didn't tell me that story. Oh yeah. So we actually met at St. Stephen's St. Agnes. Yeah. Wait, why is it two names? What they couldn't decide? Was it like a gender neutrality thing? What do we, what do we got going on with that? So it used to be St. Agnes was the boys school. My brothers actually went there. St. Agnes was the girls school. My mom actually went there too. I went there. I was the last graduating girls class, 1991. And then it merged. So they couldn't decide on a name. St. Stephen's in St. Agnes School. They even have all four colors. Like, it's pretty funny. It's, it's a great school. But Brian and I met there. He was teaching middle school science. I was teaching middle school history. And I remember the kids on the first day of school, must they must have wanted to set us up because they wrote Mrs. McDermott on the board. I was Miss Yates, you know. So from the get-go, it was meant to be, I guess, 20 years later. And uh, was he a lacrosse player back in the day too? Did you guys share anything like that in common? Yes, he uh, played lacrosse at Penn State. So we definitely met, you know, I was coaching lacrosse, he was coaching lacrosse, you know. It was meant to be. <laughs> and then, so now tell me what's next. What, do you have something in your, in your, on your radar that you're saying, okay, this is, you know, this is my next big thing that I'm going to do, or is it just all encompassing between the work that you're doing now and with the kids? Like, wh where's your head at? I would say the biggest thing I've struggled with in life is having proper balance. So, you know, being a good, you know, professional, being a good wife, being a good mother. It's really hard to be a plus plus at all three, as you probably know. And so I think I'm still trying to figure out my balance a little bit better. That's why I stopped coaching because it was just too much. And I, you know, professionally, I give so much, not that I'm a bad mother and bad wife, but you know, I just want to make sure I'm good at all of them. So I'm just keeping the balance, like keep improving with my balance, I would say. And um, are you guys busy in the summer, both being educators or basically you just decide that the summer is when we just shut it down and replenish and recoup and then get ready for August, September, whenever it starts up again? We used to do so many camps and run summer leagues. And then with kids, it just it's our replenishing time. But I drive to Episcopal Academy more this in the summer than I do during the school year, back and forth, kids doing camps, practicing lifting, all that stuff. So I couldn't tell you what we've done, but we've had a busy summer. Uh, does that allow for any traveling in there? What do you guys do during the summer? So my family is in Northern Virginia. So we've been down there a bunch. We went to Cape May, New Jersey. We went to Seabright, New Jersey, to the Jersey shore. And we belong to like a community pool. That's where my 10 year old is right now. Uh, my junior started football preseason today. So we do a lot of pool and really catching up with friends. Like we, we don't have time to be social in the school year. So we try to like, you know, check off the list who we need to see in the summer. So. So now like tie in the UVA experience with what you're doing now, like what did you leave UVA with saying, okay, 
it was because of UVA that got me ready for whatever. Do you have anything in your mind that comes to like, that you say, Hey, you could point to and say that was important. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously we kind of touched on this before, but I mean, you know, playing a sport is kind of a full-time job. Uh, so time management would be the biggest thing. I mean, I would hope I would say I learned a ton of for my classes. And I think I learned a lot of skills and writing and got feedback and how to study. I don't know if I remember a ton of content, um, but just like, I mean, the relationships are the major, major thing. That was the gift that UVA gave me for sure. Um, like I already said, I've, you know, I mean, this imp stuff has been so fun to reconnect with everyone. I feel like I've reconnected with, you know, texted a bunch of people, you know, to try to piece together some memories, but you know, my teammates and then, you know, my sorority sisters, I mean, I still keep in touch with a lot of people. So, I mean, it's the, the gift that's, that keeps on giving, but I would say professionally, I th- the biggest thing is I can tell the people that I work with that played on a team or that have been a part of a team. It doesn't necessarily need to be a college sports where, you know, there's less drama. Like I'm not a big, I don't love drama. I think it's silly. You know, they're calm and cool under pressure. They can pivot like with teaching, like I got to think on my feet the entire time and I've got to pivot if a kid needs, you know, a different need. And just being able to do that without panicking, you know, have patience and flexibility, uh, you know, give me the ball in overtime. I mean, that, that prepped me for, for this job more than, you know, anything that I could have ever wished for. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely say, you know, the relationships and being, being able to pivot and be flexible and patient, I definitely got from my experience at UVA. Yeah, those are all super, super important. And, you know, some of the life lessons that you get are just, especially on the field, are just through experience where, you know, you get after you've played a national final like you did, it, you probably don't look as anything uh, that you do today that's so much pressure. You're like, okay, like I played in front of thousands of people on the biggest stage. Uh, this is just, I'm teaching in front of 20 kids. I, I got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm totally good. Did you, did you know you were going to be a teacher? I mean, I was telling my two boys this week, actually, that I actually taught Sunday school when I was in high school. I taught kindergarten. My parents were really religious. And um, I don't know, there's the feeling that you have just like giving back to the community and, you know, helping kids and and really making a connection with every sort of kid. I almost feel like it almost ties in with the imp where you imps where we just connect with so many different types of people. I feel like that's the epitome of teaching, being able to connect with as many students. Like I want to go 18 for 18 if I have an 18 person class where I try to connect with all 18 of them Um, and they can spot a fraud. You know, the more genuine you are, the better it is. And I feel like I got a lot of that from my experiences in college for sure. Are you only working with ninth graders? Is that the, the, the only grade that you're working with at school? So now, yes, that's my sweet spot. The ninth graders come in as, you know, as insecure, non-thinking doofuses. And I mean that out of love, but they walk away with confidence, being able to write, being able to think. And I don't know, just the growth that I, you know, I've done six, seventh, eight, ninth, 10. The growth that you see in a freshman is, is the most rewarding thing 
the most rewarding grade that I've taught. So that's why I'm kind of like the ninth grade. They call me the student whisperer, the ninth grade whisperer. (laughs) So that's, I'm the academic coach. So I help a bunch of kids and yeah, it's, it's perfect for me. Hey, you know, just, I'm thinking about this. You're probably in the most unique position of everyone that I've interviewed so far to answer the question of, what sort of advice would you give to today's imps, right? So if you were walking around grounds and you happen to scroll into the chapel or wherever it is that the imps have their meetings nowadays, what would the words of wisdom be? I mean, it's funny because you're giving words of wisdom all day long. So all I'm asking you to do is to fast forward at eight years, like the kids are eight years older now-ish, right? So from ninth grade to when they're going to be like whatever college ages are. What would you tell them? I mean, I would, I mean, do you think just in life or about skills or does it matter? I always think, I don't know. When I think of Anna, I always think of you always keep it real. So I'm actually thinking like life skills type stuff. I really think it's about the relationships. I really do because you're not going to remember anything else. And I think the more that you can get to know different types of people and put yourself out there, I mean, that's the, the best thing you can do for sure. I mean, Sure, you want to get A's or be Phi Beta Kappa or whatever, but you'll you'll remember more from the people that you work with and from being a part of a team or a club or whatever you're going to get involved with, you know, and not worry so much about sweat. I mean, don't sweat the small stuff, right? It's just not worth it. Well, let me dig in on this because it's funny. We're just having this conversation at home. So uh, as you know, my oldest is uh, starting college in the fall. And I actually just said to him the other day, I think you should set up a LinkedIn profile, right? Because I feel like that's a good thing, habit for him to get into, to understand that he's got to have relationships, not just on a Snapchat level, but he's got to have it on a professional level. You know, this is, you're not used to this, but it's that sort of relationship building thing that I'm trying to impress upon him that that's what makes the world go round in everything, not just in work but are those relationships. So, you know, how are you telling the kids to build relationships? I mean, what, you know, in your mind, like, what does that mean to you? Well, a couple things. I think they definitely have another challenge than we have the damn phones. I mean, oh my goodness. I would almost say, don't take your phone out. Like it's such a hassle, right? I mean, be present, don't gossip uh, about other people. Don't be backstabbers. I don't know if boys are backstabbers, but girls certainly are. Uh, you know, do the right thing. But be present. I, I mean, I think it's going to, I cannot imagine <laughs> if we had phones back in our day. Oh my God. I, I mean, I really cannot. Um, so I actually don't envy them because I feel like they have a lot more pressure. So, you know, taking the pressure off and maybe putting that, putting that away or not taking it out with you. I know that's easier said than done, but we didn't get Patrick a phone until eighth grade graduation. He was literally the last kid in his class to get a phone. We were like adamant about it. So he's probably like deep in like, uh, can't stand his parents, worst people in the world. You don't understand. Everyone has a phone. My life is over. How do you expect me to socialize with people? And wait, so, and isn't he doing well today? 
Yeah, it was the best thing for him, to be honest. And and he said, I'm going to even do that for my kids. I just did. Um, you'll, you'll laugh. You'll, you'll think this one's interesting. So once a year, I basically shut down electronics for a day where I do a 24-hour time period, midnight to midnight, no screens, no like nothing, no like computer, nothing. And I add to it, I also don't talk. So I go to somewhere secluded and it's a 24 hour time period where I just shut it down. Ironically, um, there's this group that Courtney Page, Farrell and I are part of and someone from the group just sent us all books called 24-6. And basically it's, uh, one day a week, your family shutting down the electronics, not doing the no talking thing, but right. the, the, which is a little bit, maybe a little bit much. Everyone's maybe like, okay, maybe we shouldn't listen to this guy's podcast anymore. It's a little bit of a wackadoodle. But you, you get the idea that one day a week they shut it down. And she goes through in the book talking about how, what a difference maker that is for their relationships, right? So um, we joke about it. Uh, it takes an awful lot of strength as a parent to put your foot down and say, okay, we're going to have either we're going to delay the phone or we're going to take one day off a week or whatever it's going to be. But it definitely is impactful. And it's impactful for me that for the one day a year that I do it, I actually love it. I think that's a great idea. I wish I could do that. One day a week is a great idea. It's just a bummer because like with school and stuff, they're so tied to the computer. But yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, they do. Um, the author of this book, she uh, she's Jewish and she calls it Tech Shabbat, where basically they're yeah. celebrating Friday into Saturday Shabbat anyway. So um, they're just taking the electronics out of it. So it was cool. It's interesting. But I think you're right. When you don't have the phone in front of you, the relationships just get enhanced. The hard thing is putting the phone down really hard. I know my husband actually doesn't even like to text. Like you have to call him. He's like the only guy that talks on the phone still. It's pretty funny. I love it. I love it. So, okay. Hey, as we're kind of wrapping things up, any, uh, before I get into my fun fire questions, what I'm calling them, a couple of quick questions that I'll ask that you've heard before, because you've li listened to the other episodes, any other pieces of like storyline or anything you want to share with the crew? I mean, I guess I need to apologize to one other imp, um, Calvin Snyder, at his coronation. Th this is bad. I mean, I don't really know why we chucked things at the king. Do you remember doing that? But oh, we must. Is that what oh, we did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it was not good for the king when I came on board as a goalie. We throw the ball all the time. Yeah. I mean, the only thing worse that would have been if we like brought a baseball player into the imps for that person. Yeah. In fact, go ahead. Tell the story. I'm, I'm, I might lay claim to the, to the shot that you're about to talk about. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think it could be you, but so Calvin, literally the nicest, nicest guy alive. He walked away and I, I thought maybe he had a broken nose, but he had the, his eye closed shut. I mean, literally his eye was closed shut. He, he just got walloped. I felt really bad. So Calvin, if you're out there, bud, and you don't even respond to Facebook, but if you're out there, dude, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Speaking of like, speaking of Facebook, by the way, kudos to you for starting the imp Facebook group. Way to go. I mean, to be honest, you kind of inspired me because I was like, gosh, there's so many imps in Facebook. And I know Facebook is for, for old men and old ladies. That's what my high schoolers say. It's for like parents, Mrs. McDermott. Um, but it's a great way to connect, see everybody's kids. So yeah, that I, I was like, we might as well put a, an imp fossils on Facebook. I mean, why not? Right. It's good because then you have the back and forth banter. So you get the, the banter bus going up on that. Yeah. All right. You can't escape me. Fun fire questions. Here we go. You still drink tuna today? I mean, there, you could not pay me to drink tuna. So no. That's a no. Okay. Favorite Bodo's order? That's a good one. I, I am a bacon, egg, and cheese at all hours of the day. And I'm a um, cinnamon raisin bagel with cream cheese on the side. Oh my God. Those are like my favorites too. I knew I loved you for some reason. That is phenomenal. Although uh, my wife makes fun of me because I also liked, and this is, I'm about to gross everybody out, cinnamon raisin bagel with scallion cream cheese. That is an odd combination. Nasty. That is is bad. No, but now I just go to the regular cream cheese. I think that was just a college phase I was going through. Nice. Okay, here we go. Favorite word with the letters I-M-P in it. Well, I already used impish. You know, I do have an impish grin, but I really think the word is improving. And, you know, life lesson, you could always improve. No one knows it all. Yeah, and, you know, when you're, they call it growth mindset too, right? Because that's kind of synonymous with that, where you're always just trying to get better and get better and get better. It's not that you're not happy with things. You just see that there's always a way to get better and it inspires you to do great things. Well, gosh, talk about people who've done great things. You are right there, not just on the field and lacks where you and I originally met through the, the athletic department, but then uh, in the classroom. And now you're totally in uh, total Yates fashion, given back to the world. So start with your parents and uh, continuing the UVA tradition. And uh, I'm glad to hear that at least one of your kids is playing soccer. So I don't think you're such a terrible parent. So that's it's really good to hear. And I appreciate all the support you've given me. It's awesome to get text from you every once in a while. And, you know, when people are listening to the episodes and uh, you're awesome, you're awesome. You haven't changed a damn bit. It's crazy. crazy. You're like this same person just like 30 years later. Well, thank you for starting this podcast. It's great to reconnect with everyone. Um, I loved texting with you during the lacrosse uh, men's lacrosse championship, literally play by play. It was a treat. I love it. Yeah. It's a, I'm sure you and Tommy Smith really enjoyed hearing uh, a complete idiot soccer players version of what was going on. But I actually had, like, I did say, I think before Tommy did, I wish that goalie would stay in the goal. Right. Yeah, so yeah, no, you were not far off. It's sometimes it's just common sense. And we won and we won. So that was great. Kenny Yates McDermott, you are phenomenal. Loved, loved, loved catching up with you. Ip Nation, 
there's got to be some of you that need to get on the podcast. So go out, volunteer, give me a ring. My cell phone is on the bottom of each of those emails. Sign up for Anna's Facebook page, our group imp page. It's really fun having the back and forth when we get the banter bus going on that. And everyone look forward to seeing you on our next interview. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for having me. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.